I want you to look with me at Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12, which is the gospel reading for Epiphany Sunday. And that was January the 6th was actually Epiphany. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw a star in the east, have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod, called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make careful search for the child, and as soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. The star they had seen in the east went ahead of them, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented them with gifts of gold and incense of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The Gospel of our Lord. In the rush of a long Christmas season, of course the pre-season shopping and the post-season returning of gifts, and then the looking for more bargains sometimes, let's be honest, I just admitted, things get just a little bit hectic. We have so many lists, we have so many people to buy gifts for, we have so many people to see, so many cards to send out, So many thank yous to send, so many visits to make. It can become quite a hectic time. So today we want to listen to the epiphany story of the wise men. Just spend a few minutes focusing on the word of God. And let me share with you just five observations about this very familiar story. So in your notes, number one. God speaks our language. In the Bible, God speaks our language. The first thing that I want you to note on this story of the wise men or the magi from the east is the fact that God speaks our language. This account tells us that the wise men, they saw a star. It was God's star in the east. These men were more than just stargazers. They were students of the heavens. It was their life. It was what they enjoyed what they love. The interesting thing about the Christmas message is that it reminds us that God speaks our language. See, in your notes, a star was actually the language for the wise men. God spoke to the wise men through that star. That was their language. God comes to them on their level. He spoke to them in the language that they understood. And in the readings for Christmas, you heard about how God spoke the shepherds in the fields of Bethlehem. God spoke the language of the shepherds also. 
God used angels to tell the shepherds the good tidings of great joy. For unto you is this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So in your notes, we have angels. The Jewish shepherds, they studied angels. The teachings of angels were very familiar to them. In fact, a shepherd's tradition was that if he went out at nighttime and he could see the flutter of an angel's wing, it meant some type of good luck for them. The shepherds were students of angels. The wise men were students of the stars. God speaks to us in our own language. Look at John 1, verse 14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So in your notes, God speaks to us human beings today also through Jesus because He's the Word of God. God's Son become flesh. This is the true God taking upon Himself human flesh so that we humans might see God and come to know the true God. God does speak our language through his son, Jesus. In your notes number two, people are led to God in different ways. We are led to God through different paths. The wise men were led by the star to Jesus. The shepherds were led to Jesus by the angels. We are led to God in different ways. The Bible we see different ways. Look at Matthew 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Matthew got up and followed him. It was just that simple. Then look at Acts 9, verses 3 and 4. We read from the, about the Apostle Paul. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? On the back of your notes, it's Paul is led to Jesus on the road to Damascus. A light from heaven flashes and knocks Paul flat on his back. He's blinded for a few days. And then Paul entered into a relationship with God. For Paul, it was pretty difficult. For Matthew, it was pretty simple. Wouldn't it be interesting if Paul and Matthew tried to compare their personal experiences? Matthew says, oh, it was very easy to follow Jesus. All you have to do is listen to his voice and say yes. Paul says, no way. If you really want to be a Christian, what you have to do is go down to the stable, you get a donkey, go on the road to Damascus, look up and wait for a light to shine, and then listen to a voice, get knocked flat on your back, and even go blind for a few days. Then you are really a Christian. We are all different. We look different. We think different. We act differently. And that's beautiful. People are led to God in different ways. Then there was Zacchaeus, remember, in your notes. Zacchaeus found Jesus from a sycamore tree. Looking at Luke 19, a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a tax, chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but being a short man, he could not because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Zacchaeus was curious about Jesus. He wanted to see him. Then there was also blind Bartimaeus who couldn't see Jesus even if he wanted to. He just couldn't see anything. He was desperate. Yet he finds Jesus. So let me ask each of you, how do you find Jesus? How do you personally find Jesus? Raise your hand for these various ways that led you closer to Jesus. 
How many of you are that closer to Jesus through, say, some beautiful music that we're singing? Raise your hand if you get read closer to Jesus. How many of you are that closer to Jesus through, say, a sermon you heard? Raise your hand. How many of you have been led closer to Jesus maybe by your parents or by your grandparents? Raise your hand. How many of you have been led closer to Jesus by your spouse or by a friend or by a neighbor? How many of you have been led closer to Jesus through the reading of a book or a TV program, a religious special? It simply reminds me of one man who was taking a religious survey in a community. He was trying to find the religious background of the people. One lady came to the door and said, No, Daddy is a Baptist, Mommy is a Methodist, and I'm a TV. People are led to God in different ways. There is a comforting note here for you and me. To some of you, you, you are Christians and you, see, you are concerned about loved ones. You're concerned also about loved ones that seemingly go on church or on church yet or straying away. But remember, God is not limited to a building. No matter where you are, you, can get, you cannot get away from God. You see, God put a star in the sky. God sent an angel. God will put you right in the right place, whether it's a TV or dropping a track in your lap or, or sharing with a friend. In order for him to share the good news of Jesus, God is not limited to a building. In your notes number three, God uses what is consecrated to him. We need to see that God uses what is consecrated to him, which is separated or set apart for him. Look at Matthew 2, verse 2 again. The wise men asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose. Have come to worship him. God has an awful lot of stars in the heavens. But God created the heavens and all the earth. But for this mission, God put a special star, a separate star, a consecrated star. One that was to beam the message that Jesus, the Christ child, the king of the Jews, the son of God, was being born. Today, God is looking for consecrated people. God uses consecrated things, things that are really set apart for him. We have used consecrated stewardship programs for a couple of years here at St. John. And that was just a way that God can use then our money, our talents, our time, if, but we must consecrate them to him. That is set apart them for his use. See, in your notes, it's not just our ability that counts. We may have lots and lots of abilities, but God wants in your notes our availability. It is our availability that makes the big difference. We must become available that is consecrated and set apart. See, God had his star in the heavens separated. God had his angels consecrated, set apart for his use. God set apart his son Jesus to be the savior of the world through his suffering and death and resurrection. And today God needs his people as they set apart and consecrate themselves and their possessions for his use. So number one, God speaks our language. Number two, people are led to God in different ways. Number three, God uses what is consecrated to him. In your notes, number four, those who are farthest from him, those farthest from God, want to get closest to God. Look at Matthew 2, verse 9 and 10. After they heard the king... They went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. This is very interesting. 
those who are farthest from him, they want to get closest to him. Isn't that really kind of human nature? We will travel on a vacation clear across the country, hundreds of miles, to see a point of interest that the people who live around that point of interest have never bothered even to see. When you get close to your destination, you expect signs, but there are no signs. You ask people, and they say, it's over there someplace, but I've never been there myself. That's just human nature. The farther away from something is out of our reach, the more we want to reach out for it. Spiritually, that is also true. The wise men from the east, they're pursuing a great distance in order to find Jesus. And then there's the attitude of those who are in the inn in Bethlehem, or the merchants that were in the shops. The collectors of taxes, they're totally interested, not interested in Jesus, who is right under their fingertips. But from many, many miles away, then the wise men have come. So also in the Bible, you know that thief on the cross? He crosses a great distance spiritually in order to come to Jesus. The prodigal son spiritually crosses a great distance to return to God the Father. These people spiritually were farthest away, but they come to Jesus. And of course there was that woman with the incurable disease, the blind man Bartimaeus, the demon-possessed man, all are farthest from Jesus, yet they come to Jesus. And those that were closest spiritually, that is those religious rulers, those Pharisees, the publicans, the Sadducees, the scribes, the rich young ruler who kept his commandments from his youth, they could not find Jesus. In your notes number five, those searching for Christ, those searching for Christ experience Christ through worship. See, in your notes, those who are searching for Christ will experience Christ. How? Through their worship. Look at Matthew 2, verse 11. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down, and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and myrrh. Circle these verbs, three of them. They came, they saw, they worshipped. The wise men who searched for Christ experienced him completely because Jesus was their king. He was their Lord, their Savior. He was a sacrificial offering for their sin. So Jesus would give his life on the cross for them. It was said in, under the great ruler, Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar, he came, he saw, he conquered. That's what all mankind also needs to be doing. Just like the wise men. As the wise men following the star, they searched for Christ. They came, and in your notes, they saw. And in front of Jesus, they fell down, bowing down to him, giving their gifts to Jesus. Because he was their king of kings, their lord of lords, their conqueror who had conquered sin and death in the grave, is our resurrected and living Lord today. So in conclusion, in your notes, once you find Jesus, once you find the Christ, you obey Jesus. Once you find the Christ, you obey him. The wise men saw Jesus, they worshipped him, and they gave themselves to Jesus and gave their gifts to Jesus. Looking in Matthew 2, verse 12, having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. That's our final observation for this epiphany message. Once you find Jesus, then you obey Jesus. Five observations. Number one, God speaks our language. <clears throat> Number two, people are led to God, but in different ways. 
Number three, God uses what is consecrated to him. And number four, those who are furthest from Christ, they wanted to get closer to him. And number five, those who search for Christ, they experience Christ through their worship. Amen.